This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, Miami soccer fans and beyond. My name is Omar Mubayad, and I'm happy, so happy to present to you episode 44. A lot of work has gone into this episode to make it come together. Today, you will hear from three distinct voices and notable figures in soccer that have ties to Miami. But first, we would like to introduce our newest contributor to Magic City Soccer. Ibu Iraola joins our team after what seems like many and many, many months of persuasion. While it's great to have an international correspondent of sorts, I sit down with Abel so that you can meet a dear friend who has become our newest contributor. Our very first guest here uh, on this major episode that we have together for Magic City Soccer is is a homegrown talent, for lack of better words. He's a homegrown talent. Him and I go way back. Uh, we, we've known each other for quite some time, and I've been trying to get him to become uh, a regular member of Magic City Soccer, but I guess it just took a foreign experience trip to Spain and for him to take in some Spanish La Liga action for him to decide to join and come on board. He's Abel Iraola. Abel, how are you doing? What's up? Um, pretty good. Kind of cold. Uh, not really not really Miami weather here right now. Um, and awesome to be on the pod. So Abel is going to be a mainstay now here at Magic City Soccer for as long as he chooses to be. Uh, we will have him indefinitely, but, you know, things pop up and, and people take on new projects. So we t- definitely understand if he ever does. How many? But that being said, though, I, 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 go I have ahead. a question for you. How how many of the soccer podcasts in South Florida have an international correspondent? Just just so people know. I don't I don't know if you know the other ones. Yeah, so there is no other soccer podcast in South Florida that makes us the only one. Therefore, we are the only podcast in South Florida, or I should say the only soccer podcast in South Florida that has an international correspondent. So, Abel, let's go ahead and talk a little bit here about your soccer background. As I mentioned, you and I do go way back, at least now, better part of six years or so since we worked together initially, uh, (laughs) uh, in a different realm completely opposite of sports one would say um what's your soccer background what got you into soccer in the first place um so i'm i'm one of those uh people who get brought into soccer by a world cup except that mine is a lot more recent i think than other people's um uh the 2014 world cup i'm embarrassed to say was the first one that i really watched a ton of um because it was on at lunch at work and I would watch it at my desk. Um, so I got into it because of that. And then I got into Manchester United. I think maybe the only person in the world for this reason was that I had enjoyed watching the Netherlands in that World Cup. And their manager oh was Louis van Gaal. And the first Here club that he departed to after he left them was Manchester United. So I said, that's my club. And I think I have to be the only Manchester United fan. In existence, that became a fan because of of Louis Van Gaal. Yeah, that's that's 
You might be in rare air yeah. there, man. I yeah, don't yeah. think there's anybody else who follows United <laughs> uh, that says that they were brought into the club by LVG. Um, God, those are some daunting <laughs> times for United fans. Uh, oof, so happy that we are past that but point we're past it. We're past uh, it. in our lives in terms of We're obviously <laughs> in terms re- of recording this soccer. before the game that happened yesterday, so we don't have to talk. Yes, yes. I, this is this recording is not being done on Thursday. No, it's being done Wednesday before the Spurs early, match. Early However, if I was a betting man, I would say Spurs core inside the first minute, and they went two zero. <laughs> 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 so, Abel was nice enough uh, to jump on board and and help us cover out. Uh, I should say cover, not cover out. Help us cover the MLS announcement in Miami that happened on Monday. Um. Drew, Matt, and myself, and Lee were extremely busy, and and unfortunately, we had four people within probably a fifteen mile radius of the announcement, and neither of the four or none of the four were able to make the announcement and you know get up close and personal with the ownership group uh, of the future MLS squad. But Abel stepped up to the plate and covered our butts big time. So that being said, on the pod that we released uh, on Wednesday. We discussed with the other members of Magic City Soccer, Lee, Matt, and Drew, what their thought process was on the announcement. So, Abel, I want to get your take. What did you take away from uh, MLS Miami's announcement on Monday? Yeah, well, um, I think I fall into that camp of of the supreme optimist watching because I um, like 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 Lee said about those um, the people in the audience who just lapped it up when Jorge Mas was up there. I was one of those Miamians who left it. It was so Miami. We talked about it on the pod um, that will come out uh, with Ariel Castillo, um, the senior editor at MLS, who's from Miami, and she was at the event. And um, we talked about how Miami it was, and I, I enjoyed it. I thought, I do think that there was some importance to it. It was exactly, I mean, it was almost exactly the same announcement that it was four years ago. But there was a little bit more finality to it this time, I think. Um, it was an announcement that they had gotten over the, the worst part of, of we think, um, of what they were going through, uh, trying to get officially the franchise granted to Maine. And I think with everyone here again and, and with the announcement and some of the very scant details that came after, it looks... Like it's finally going somewhere. So I was excited about it. You let the cat out of the bag. Just shortly after this segment, we will have Ariel Castillo. Uh, uh, spoilers. And, and <laughs> we will definitely catch a segment where Abel was was kind enough to be able to take time. And, and Ariel was, to, was able, was, I should say, I can't speak today, was nice enough to take time out of her day to catch up with Abel and share her thoughts on the announcement. Um, yeah, like a lot of people in Miami, they really did eat up. Jorge Mas coming uh, to the stage and how we're deeming it, for lack of better yeah. words. Um, but it, it's important. I think Lee mentioned uh, on episode 43 that he thought it was forced or faked. And there's nothing forced or faked about that man and I, the way he... I, I have uh, to say that I there's there's no way that it... That, I mean, it, there were some parts of it, obviously. Um, people like Don Garber are very corporate that's never going to be it just doesn't feel organic but david david right. beckham got emotional i think and not in a way that was i don't know cynical or anything he seemed like he was genuinely happy that that he had gotten the club that he wanted to be. 
and Jorge Mas and, and his brother Jose Mas, who didn't speak but was there. I mean, we know their family's history with, with Miami. Um, like you mentioned, they were willing to drop a billion dollars on the Marlins. On, on the Marlins of all people, they were willing to drop a billion dollars. So I think that they are genuinely excited about um, MLS in, in Miami. And I think we're going to see good things come from that. So I guess let's go ahead and, and segue into this. One of the next topics that we talked about in episode 43 was the stadium venue. And Marcelo Clare uh, went ahead and said that they would experiment possibly with having games at multiple venues. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, there's one that's that's come up over the years, first of all, that I think it's funny that we even consider. Uh, and that's FIU Stadium, Ricardo Silva Stadium now, sorry. Um Apart from the fact that I don't think we would ever play there, like you said, over his dead body, um, it's all bleachers. I don't, I don't know, I know what the cost. Maybe it's cheap to to an MLS team to to put to redo all of that. But for a temporary venue, I can't see MLS ever doing, uh, ever going to a venue that's bleachers like like Ricardo Silva. I think it's a nice stadium, but I I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, Marlins Park, a baseball park, that's just a non-starter for me, um, which I think most of you guys agree with. Hard Rock, though, I think probably would be a beautiful stadium. I agreed uh, with you when you said that it's centrally located. Um, even though I had uh, had some, some words for people on Twitter who said that the event was to Miami, that it didn't bring in the rest of South Florida. I'm glad that it's a Miami team, but obviously we need to bring in, we need to support people from from north of the border. So I think Hard Rock would be a, a cool option to to have the team, uh, but for a season maximum, that the the new stadium has to be ready. They they can't drag it out. Okay, Matt was pretty. Uh pretty bullish on the idea that if a game were to be played or multiple games were to be played at FAU Stadium in Boca Raton, that that would be a huge problem and a huge detriment uh, to the club. Do you agree with that? I, I just don't even consider that as a possibility. It would be a huge failure and mistake by by this MLS group if they did matches in in, in Palm Beach. That's It's just not right. It's not Miami. Um and people in Palm Beach also know it's not Miami. So what kind of identity do you start building there? It doesn't make any sense, I don't think. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the speculative team name. Now, uh, we do have a poll running. Today's Thursday. We do have a poll running on our Twitter account that has different options available. Um, you have your basic team names, the Uniteds, the Reals, the FCs, and in those I include the, uh, you know, uh, Atletico, uh, Deportivo, just your, your standard bearer style names. Um, we also have 1896 Miami, which is the year that the city of Miami was founded. Uh, we also have the Miami Vice City combo. Uh, and we have another slot. So where do you fit into this Twitter poll? Where, where would you like to see the team name go if you were given the ultimate decision? So I know the excitement online and with fans has been all over Vice City FC and Miami uh, Vice FC, and I think those names are awesome. I would love those names. I don't think there's a chance in hell that MLS is going to go 
um, for one of those names with just simply because it has the word vice in it. And I think MLS is too conservative for that. Um, uh, the name that I have advocated for that I that I like is maybe uh, Atletico de Miami. Uh, there's a city that can pull off a Spanish name in the league. I think it's Miami. Um, Atletico is not that strange of a name to give it. It's not like uh, the royally chartered Real Salt Lake. Um, so I think it would work. I want I want us to have a Spanish name. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I see the point there. Uh, I'm not a big fan of, of anything that's been, you know, used widely throughout what, 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 different what, what leagues. What do you want, Omar? I, I really want the Miami Vice City combo, uh, something with Vice in it, um, because I just think that that would be... I don't know, man. I'm a huge proponent of 1980s Miami culture. I really enjoy the music, the Art Deco, um, you know, the Color Palace, things of that nature. So for me, I would love to see... Uh, Miami Vice and Vice City, um, if, you know, kind of go together. If, if you ask me also, and hey, we've talked about this, like everyone has, because they're just so in love with the idea, the colors need to be that aesthetic. I think for the team, regardless of what the name is, um, they have to go for that 1980s Miami Vice, uh, new retro jerseys aesthetic. I mean, look, uh, I agree with you 100%, but as I mentioned on episode 43, I'm all on board. If we're not going to do any of these that we call the team the Miami Mangoes uh, and let's trot them out in green, orange, and red colored kits. Hey, it would, I mean, I can't disagree with you there because that would just be a good, simple Miami concept that probably you, you would imagine would get people in just because it looked right to people um, like, like uh, the Canes. Also, the Miami, yeah, the I Miami just, Mangoes mm-hmm. is such a – it's one of those cheesy MLS names that works. <laughs> and if all else fails, we can always uh, go ahead and call it the Miami Mames, as in hey, Batido de Mame. Now, <laughs> you, you kind of hinted at what you wanted to see color-wise um, with regards to the neons. Is there any other kind of – color palette that would work you know we we talked about on the previous episode that the miami flag um the miami flag it's also was green and orange i believe isn't it? Gr- right green white and orange sorry i was having yeah. a, a brain fart there at the moment a green white and orange flag per se what what do you think is is that just too out of the realm of possibilities too close to the university of miami things that i nature? think I think it would be a nice color combination. And it, uh, the problem is, right, that claim that the Hurricanes have on. Um, in the end, I think probably it'll be a better decision for the team to have their own proper identity. And um, there's other Miami colors and Miami styles that they can go for. And I don't think we need to have them having the same color scheme as, as, as the Hurricanes necessarily. And I guess kind of just to go ahead and tie everything together, um, was there anything that you wanted to hear on Monday that you didn't necessarily uh, hear? You know, Monday was very much, I, I think we all wanted to hear team name. We all wanted to hear, you know, venue details and information. And, and, and most of us know that it's still marred within uh, the legal lawsuit from the Matheson family, etc. But what was it? What did you want to hear that just did not get announced on Monday? Um it's all the it's all the stuff that, that we could spend so much time getting excited about. 
for the last week or two weeks. Um, like you said, the name, um, the the state. I mean, not even a, a picture of the design of the stadium. I guess that's maybe because the site is up in the air. Um, just details of any kind. They could have given us anything. Um, the only thing that we did get that was interesting and I think shows a commitment is that for a long time um, people sort of speculated about uh, whether Miami could start earlier and, and play at a temporary venue and there was no real indication that MLS was willing to do that. Um, and it seems that we got confirmation um, after their event uh, that MLS is willing to do that, even if it's for a year. And I think that that gives um, a little more heft, I guess, to the argument that Miami is going to kick off when they say they're going to kick off. And I should say, I know we were trying to wrap it up, but one last thing that we did speak about the other night during our uh, recording in the quad pod was Miami has been uh, tied in or been linked with so many of these crazy transfer rumors for a club that doesn't even exist. We're talking about the biggest names, the biggest soccer players in the world. If there was one person that you think needed to make a splash or needed to come in order for Miami MLS to make a splash and really grip uh, the city um, and, and tie it into the franchise, you know, we, we've heard the Ronaldos, we've heard, you know, now the Messis, we've heard about James, uh, we've heard even Zlatan in the past. You know, over the last 10 years since this has been a constant conversation, you've had all these different names linked. If there was one person that you could bring into the club that still had a name ID big enough to kind of unite the different cultures together, who would that person be? Who do you think would be the prime acquisition for this club if it was their first initial sign? So so I think, and, and I was going through options in my head while you were saying that, because I was like, God, who, and it has to be... It's in two years, right? So who can we get in two years that won't isn't like thirty six now? We will be almost thirty eight or thirty nine then. Um, and then you mentioned James Rodriguez, and I think that's my answer. If you brought James Rodriguez to um, to Miami's MLS club in their first season, I think it would be nuts. I think they actually would become a Colombian club overnight, but it would be fine because it would be fun as hell. Um, I would love to have Thomas Rodriguez at, at a Miami club. As Lee mentioned the other night, I think he dropped the bomb and he said Luis Sanchez. And the second he said Luis Sanchez, everybody, I think, kind of initially took a deep breath and were like, wait, that would work. That would actually, actually be that's, yeah, a mega that signing. Is, that, 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 that is would incredible, be especially... Considering his his age, his age would be perfect to move into MLS. I think he'll probably be um, 33 in two years, if, uh, if I'm correct. Um, and he, he doesn't seem like he's on his way out in Barcelona, but it definitely seems this season like he's wrapping it up a bit. Um, that would be incredible if, if, if that happened. And one more name that I should have dropped on the last pod and I didn't just until now when we're having this conversation again. Every time we revisit this conversation, or at least I do, there's always one or two more names that pop up. What about the the idea of an Arturo Vidal playing for Miami, uh, Miami's MLS club? Um, I don't know. I don't. It's a player. Obviously, you're bringing in a player who's has quality, but Miami is going to want that star power. 
from the beginning. I mean, they have to. If there's one thing that they have to nail, it has to be star power. Um, and you imagine the first guy that, that they hire that comes in is Arturo Vidal, who's fantastic, but is that is he a Luis Suarez or a James Rodriguez to people? I don't know. Well, Abel's going to be a contributor moving forward uh, on our podcast and on our website at Magic City Soccer. So that being said, Abel, let's go ahead and take the time now to have the people follow you on Twitter and across social media. Where can they find you? They can find me on literally everything um, at Miami Abel, A-B-E-L. That is my username on all social media. So if you have social media, whichever one you have it, look that up and probably you will find it. Well, th- there you go. Not quite Magic City able yet, but definitely Miami able. Hey, um, it might be Mango as we City. Mentioned, we'll see. Mango City able. Yes, I love Mango City. Uh, so as we mentioned, we will have able on future pods once he ventures back to this side of the pond, hopefully in time for the NPSL season. You never know. Maybe a little bit earlier. Um you know, he will be a regular contributor on the podcast and as well on the website. As always, you can find Abel at, again, at Miami Abel. Um, and you will be able to find all of us, as always, at Magic City Soccer. Abel, thank you so much for your time. Abrazos. Awesome. Saludo. As I mentioned, we were so happy to bring Abel into the squad. And we know his content will keep you up to date on soccer going on here in the Magic City. Our first voice of soccer that we are presenting to you today is Jack Grimsey. Easily one of the key figures in soccer that you may not have heard of yet, Jack brings a fresh perspective to the beautiful game. With no further ado, here's our conversation. As we mentioned, we're bringing together some of the best soccer minds and personalities for this episode of Magic City Soccer. There are few sharper minds around the beautiful game than Jack Grimsey. That said, we're happy to be joined by Jack. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Jack does run his own podcast, Scout It Says, which you can find over on iTunes and SoundCloud. Jack, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Great, and Omar, that's really uh, an amazing introduction. I think hopefully I can live up to that praise there. And after yesterday's announcement, really excited for the future of soccer in Miami. It's a big step, I think, for both MLS and soccer or football in this country. I've seen some of the content you've put together, especially with regards to transfer markets and, and how money allocations can fit. And sometimes I look at it, I'm like, man, he's on another level. That, that guy is on another level. I just, I'm here trying to piece it together. I'm just like, he's got it. He's got it already. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try to try to look at some of the financial aspects of the game because I think that's becoming even more important as we see things like GAM and TAM and, you know, allocation money across MLS and, and across the world. Yeah, I think he, something you mentioned recently was about Manchester City and their fantastic uh, extravagant spending that they've been undergoing lately. 500 million pounds since I think Pep Guardiola came on board, which is what I saw you write a couple days ago. So I was just like, 500 million pounds as a United fan. I'm sitting here like, what? How do I even like 500 million for real? Like, I know we pay a lot, but Jesus. Yeah, checkbook checkbook manager Pep Guardiola. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get to the nitty gritty here and discuss Monday's MLS announcement. Uh, Miami was formally, air quotes, introduced to the MLS. So what were your thoughts on the announcement? I'm honestly, I'm surprised that it got done because like some of the the guys mentioned, Jorge Mas and Marcelo and even David Beckham, they were saying, what, 60 days ago, this was dead in the water, but they decided to to get back and cut a deal or whatever. I don't know if that's all necessarily true that they were talking about how they never give up on their dreams. And if, if it really was, why would they have considered giving up? But 
I mean, there were, there have been so many obstacles. Um, first with the stadium maybe being in Port Miami, which I think is just impossible, and as well as some of the owners not knowing that you have to go through the city to get this land, which is going to be very expensive. They're not just going to give it away. So all of these obstacles finally been overcome, at least for the time being, and with more <laughs> to come in the future down the road. But I think uh, it was it was good that they could announce that they're going to be joining Major League Soccer, which with the recent expansion going to Nashville and then, you know, Detroit, Sacramento, uh, Cincinnati, all wanting to join the club, join the, the party. And yeah, I think, I think only if you're a huge Miami FC fan or especially Ricardo Silva, you're going to be disappointed by this news. A lot of people on this podcast are huge Miami FC fans. So we're a little concerned as to their well being after this announcement. Uh, but one of the things that that really stuck out as a sore thumb was the concept of not playing until 2020. We saw LAFC get off a roster. I'm sorry, get a roster off the ground pretty quickly. Uh, would it? I understand there's differences and there's issues with balancing of the leagues and balancing of the schedules uh, in MLS. Would this be better suited for Miami to start in 2019, or do you think giving them that extra time period might help them out? Uh, I don't know if it's like you said it LAFC assembled that roster really quickly you have the expansion draft and then you have the MLS super draft to help you acquire some of those players and of course free agency but a big thing for me yesterday was when David Beckham kept talking about the academy and the importance of that and he said yeah we're gonna bring in some global stars which I'm sure we'll discuss in a little bit but the academy was is really what's of utmost importance to this Miami MLS franchise and I think that makes sense because that's it's a way to integrate uh, local kids into the mix and as well as a way to maybe balance the budget if you spend less on bringing in a few of these uh, core players to make up your squad then maybe you can splash out for a big signing but I don't know if they they really could get a get the team started next year okay no that, I mean that totally makes sense Sharp, fewer sharper minds. That's what I was mentioning earlier. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on here. So was there anything that you were hoping to see or hoping to hear that just wasn't presented uh, on Monday? Yeah, probably just a more definitive plan for the stadium because currently with the, the site in Overtown, we don't really know um, a lot of the logistics of that as far as parking, transportation, and more importantly, what's going to happen to the community there and how it's going to help those people that live there but um additionally maybe maybe a team name but again that's something that i think the the fans are going to pick and you mentioned to me just before the show uh, maybe some polls along with that that you guys are going to be running and yeah the team colors maybe but again that kind of adds to the intrigue and i think they're they're kind of the ownership group maybe trying to keep the trail of breadcrumbs going and keeping the interest with with these fans yeah, one of the Moss brothers, I can't remember which one, so I don't want to mix up names, uh, did mention that they were hoping to put out more information kind of on a very routine basis in the sense of every four weeks, every four to six weeks, trying to pull out some new information, whether it's color, team name, stadium information, venue information, etc. I mean, so kind of segueing again, I mean, you're a master at this. Um, if you had a choice for a team name or you had a choice for a color scheme, I'm very partial, as I mentioned on, on our last episode of Magic City Soccer, that... I'm very partial to this. This needs to be a team name that doesn't have a corporation of City, Atletico, Real, uh, Inter. I don't want to see United. Uh, I don't want to see just any of the common thread names that have been used throughout America left and right. 
Whereas when you go to England, that you know, you see nobody. You call it Chelsea, not Chelsea FC, or you call it Arsenal, not Arsenal FC. It just seems like in America, everything is team name. Is there anything else after it? No. Okay, we're throwing FC, and everybody says the FC part. It drives me nuts on a personal basis. But and I'm and I'm thinking in terms of Miami, it's got to be a very Miami Vice Art Deco pink blue. You know, very similar to what the Miami Heat just rolled out with their uniforms uh, in the NBA. So what are you thinking in terms of team names or what's something that you would love to see incorporated with that? Yeah, exactly. Like you're saying about those new Miami Heat jerseys, I love those. I love those colors. I think it's great for soccer as well. And like you said about United, do we really need another United in MLS or just a generic FC thrown on? I think a little bit about how they had the the hashtag MLS Miami or football Miami MLS I think using Spanish in the name as as some part maybe you do CF you know like uh club de football Miami or something I don't I don't know it's it's interesting because as we go and look back over the course of MLS you see the Miami fusion of the past I don't think it's going to be a team name that's like an American sports team name like Miami Dolphins or I don't know if they'll necessarily (laughs) have a a mascot like that or if it right. were, like an animal moniker maybe but i don't know miami vice is, is great um it's obviously trademarked um <laughs> i was thinking that. i'm like what's the amount so, of money you have to pay the production studio just to use that name now jesus maybe just go for miami ice and have it be a little bit of an oxymoron i don't know <laughs> And in terms of, I know you mentioned the pink and the blue, um, more than likely you're going to have to roll out some kind of variation of something else, a standard maybe a white and a, and a blue, a black and a white, you know, something that maybe represents the city of Miami's flag, which at first glance kind of looks a little bit like the, uh, the flag of Ireland where you have the orange, the white, and the green. Yeah, and a little bit like the Miami FC color scheme. Right, absolutely. Yeah, that would be interesting. I wonder how Ricardo Silva would take that if all of a sudden they come, you know, not first, not just knocking on his front door and saying, hey, we're going to play in the backyard, but we're taking your jersey color too. Uh, and maybe we're even going to play some games at your stadium because uh, I don't know if you want to get back to that, but yes. with regards to the stadium, they mentioned playing at a variety of venues and maybe kind of doing a tour because in 2020 would be the, that would be when the inaugural MLS season would be, but if the stadium's not going to be done until the following year, 2021, that leaves a, another logistical issue. But I think it, it would be kind of interesting to see the team play at a variety of locations. Um, I went to the Hard Rock Stadium for Paris Saint-Germain against Juventus, and that was a world-class venue. If Miami, if this Miami MLS team played there, I think the only complaint would be the location of it. But as we've seen, it's not going to be a waterfront location next to the American Airlines arena or on Port Miami, you know, so, you know, there's, there's always going to be difficulties with building a stadium in the 21st century. Yeah. So, so digging into that a little bit, it's, I, I am very hard pressed to imagine that Ricardo Silva, uh, unless there's huge sacks of money left at his front door, that he would allow Miami MLS to play games, uh, at, Ricardo Silva Stadium or at the former FIU football stadium. I just, I can't, I can't picture it happening. And then I almost wonder as if when the new owners were talking about having a tour of sorts of venues, yeah, Miami does have a lot of open areas and a lot of facilities that, that may be able to operate and hold soccer games, but the logistics behind that almost sounds impossible or very daunting at a minimum. We're talking about moving games around let's say uh, i don't know off the top of my head how many home games are on mls i know it's in the ballpark of 20 uh so if you have 18 to 20 games 
and you're rotating around, let's say even three venues, what do you do for season ticket holders who have, you know, a specified section and a specified seat number and a specified row? Do you just say, hey, everything's GA the first year, pay the big bucks, everything's going to be GA, get there early so you get the best seat? Or do you think it's a matter of we're going to have to try to accommodate, all right, you have, you know, essentially penalty penalty area tickets and you're on the eighth row and, you know, we're, we're going to try to keep you on the same side of the aisle. Yeah, I don't know if GA seating is going to be a big Thing that goes over well with some of the more cosmopolitan crowd that would be you know the the friends of the ownership group they're not going to be showing up first to get in the front row of the bleacher you know they 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 want that ultimate experience in the box and even at um hard rock stadium i remember seeing in the kind of in the middle section they have these like couches with tvs and you know it's just very very high-end um target audience at least for some of that you know like the kind of people that maybe would go sit courtside at the heat game and right. show up in the second quarter and leave by the end of the third or <laughs> you know so i'm not necessarily that's really a bad generalization about all fans but there are going to be some you know very top one percent buyers in in um the representation of the audience for this team so I don't know, but if if you're traveling around, I think it's a good way to market the team to all the different communities of Miami because it's a big city and very diverse in just where people live and getting exposure in not necessarily everyone's backyard, but maybe you'll play at Marlins Park and you know you play I don't know where, where else you, you're going to play in yeah, for could, the short you, term, but you, you know maybe doing something like that. Right, rehabilitate possibly even Lockhart Stadium if they'd want to over, you know, take on that project, which it's in massive disarray. Uh, you could probably play a couple games at FAU if you wanted to attract the Palm Beach audience. But having the game in Overtown, you know, you're looking at about a one-hour commute without traffic, just without traffic down 995 for the people in West Palm Beach, Boca Raton area, if they wanted to make the drive down to where the permanent home would be. Um, which I'm assuming, and that's that's even if they can find parking. Yeah, that's another <laughs> issue, and and you know it's lost on me. But I think the million dollar idea right now in Miami, and I can't believe I'm going to put this out there. I really, I'm going to kick myself for doing this, but <laughs> trying to buy out some of the current landowners uh, in the area of the stadium, and if you have the funding, just put up your own private parking garage. Uh, if you can get the permits to do it, and then you collect your own money, and trust me, your parking garage will be full every day uh, for every game, and you won't even have to worry about it. It's just having the capital and the funding to do that. And now I'm sitting here thinking, I'll play the six numbers for the lotto tonight, and that'll be my investment choice moving forward. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you'll have a nice little nest egg, and you'll be retiring by 2025. <laughs> Season tickets for life, Mr. Beckham, please. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, so we, we also touched last episode on, on one important topic that – the first signing may be the most important because this team, even though it's been only speculation and, and the majority of it in the last four years, but even with Marcelo, Marcelo Clore trying to bring a team to Miami since 2008, it's always been linked that Miami's going to get this big name. It's been linked that Ronaldo, it's been linked with Zlatan, it's been linked with Hamas, it's been linked with massive, massive European names, people that you know, even if you don't watch soccer, at least you've heard of. What happens if this team doesn't acquire such a signing? Is it an initial bust from the get-go in terms of uh, a marketing perspective? Because granted, there's going to be that honeymoon period where you have you know two, three years and everybody's just enamored with having the team. But if you don't get one of those guys, 
what's the next option? Do you think it's just hiring a, a, a very high-end coach with a powerful name like a Carlo Ancelotti or, or hiring like a Zinedine Zidane, not saying he's going to be available, but just somebody of that echelon? Yeah, you bring up a good point. You're not going to have someone's face to put on the front of all the banners and all the advertisements that you're going to be distributing. But I think really the, the Atlanta United model is a good one and the model that every future MLS team and even some current teams should try to be following is that bring in a coach. It doesn't necessarily have to be one with big European experience, but having Tata Martino that was at Barcelona, obviously in Argentina, obviously helps. And more importantly, I think then bringing in a big star is bringing in a, a whole host of South American youngsters that are going to be not too expensive, but um, possibly would have some resale value and also would be loved by residents of the city. Right, and, and that's another thing. We are such a melting pot here in South Florida that you have people of all different nationalities. And, and one of the big, biggest things I've argued is if you don't get the big name, you don't get the you may not get the crowd saying, oh, even though I'm, let's say, insert here, Venezuelan, even though I'm Venezuelan and I didn't have a Venezuelan heritage player on the roster, we got Ronaldo, so I'm good with it. Like, it doesn't matter. He encompasses everybody because everybody's in love with said player. Um, and that's one of the things I argued that you, you may have more of that effect with regards to certain communities saying, well, you don't, you didn't get our guy. You didn't get the guy for us. So maybe I stay away as opposed to you got, again, I hate to keep using Ronaldo, but that's the name that's been linked. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo, everybody's in because everybody loves Ronaldo except for, you know, the population that doesn't. Yeah, but OK, maybe say maybe they get Carlos Baca. OK, um, big Colombian name and that could be good for the community, but it's not going to be James Rodriguez, you know. Right, right. I mean, again, it's just in the sense of the names that have been linked and, and, and just the grand scale of them, because we're not talking about a situation where, you know, I look at Sebastian Giovinco and I say, Sebastian Giovinco is probably the best player in MLS, pound for pound. And when when I say this, I also think that if Miami's MLS team came into the mix in 2010 or 2014, if Giovinco was the first signing and it was the big name, I still don't think that that craves the appetite uh, of the people who have been linked with the Zlatans and the Ronaldos and the Hamases. You, you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even if he goes out and still performs and people will say, oh, uh, I admit I was wrong, whatever, but they still didn't, they can't go back and buy season tickets from the two past years, you know? Right, you didn't satisfy that yeah. initial hunger. So is that going to be a detriment to the team moving forward? Or do you think that's something that essentially just gets quelled over time? Yeah, I think I think it could be a detriment, especially if the results aren't there from the beginning, which it's very, very hard to expect instant results in MLS. But I get again, Atlanta kind of showed that you can do a lot still in your first season. So I think the pressure is going to be on from the football side as well as from the player recruitment off the pitch, uh, advertising, marketing from from that perspective as well. All right. We've asked you your choice for team name. We've asked you your choice for team color on our way out here. You know what? We're going to make you a fantasy owner here at Magic City Soccer. If you had a person that you could sign first overall, and let's say we, we exclude the Cristiano Ronaldo's and the Messi's and the Neymar's, etc., who's the first guy that you would bring into the mix that you think would be great, not only for revenue in terms of a team perspective, but also for on-field performance? If it was this year and you could somehow get someone like Chucky Lozano from PSV, I know it would be very hard to prime away from Eindhoven, but that would be a, a great signing. And, you know, just someone I think you want to invest in someone who's young and not 
throw all your eggs into a Zlatan basket when he could, um, you know, do an, another really bad knee injury and that could be the end of it or, you know, something like that. That could, that would be a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely would be a disaster. Um, yeah, you don't want your poster boy going down uh, early. <laughs> uh, Jack, thank you so, so much for taking the time to join us today at Magic City Soccer. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Grimsey, J-A-C-K-G-R-I-M-S-E. And sometimes I post soccer stuff on Facebook as well. So if that's your thing, if you don't want to see all the tweets, just some of the big news, you can go to Facebook. But I think uh, a lot of people like Twitter better. <laughs> and the Scouted Says podcast again on iTunes and SoundCloud, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Scouted Football Handbook, I guess that's full of players who this Miami team should sign. It's all U23 players that's coming out um, in February. So it's our third one. So be on the lookout for that. It's it's going to be the best one yet. When the signings come in, just start sending up the letters for royalty checks, man. Just do it. Just <laughs> send them out. I need my cut. I had this first. Here you go. Jack, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, don't be a stranger. Come around whenever you want, okay? Thanks so much, Omar. My pleasure. As we mentioned, he has one of the better minds for the game. Make sure to check out his podcast and follow him on Twitter. Up next, Abel was able to sit down with someone many Miamians already know. Ariel Castillo is a senior editor at MLS, and her sit-down with Abel proves to be a Miami reunion of sorts for two natives that do not currently call the Magic City home. So, before we prolong it any further, here are her thoughts of the MLS Miami announcement as she discusses it with Abel. This is Abel Iraola with Magic City Soccer. Uh, Today we're excited to have MLS senior editor and fellow Miamian Ariel Castillo on the pod. What's up, Ariel? Hey, how are you? Great. Uh, We really appreciate having someone from the league come on and give their perspective, especially someone who's from Miami. Um, So you were down in Miami yesterday for Beckham's announcement, um, and we just wanted to get your take on how it was. Um, I know that you tweeted that it was extra, which sounded like Miami to me. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, so the funny thing is that, as we all know, this whole sort of David Beckham Miami thing has been happening for, has been going on for a while. So it was really funny to be back four years later because I reported on the first announcement that happened at PAM uh, at my last job. So it was kind of funny to be sitting on the other side of things now. Um, but, you know, I was impressed, like, uh, again, like as a hometown and they made a spectacle out of it, and and I was super impressed by that. And I mean, there was there's everything. We heard a reggaeton remix of the Spice Girls, and like every Pitbull song ever. And it was so loud, the seats were vibrating, and there was a confetti gun, and purple lights, and random celebrities, and then all the Southern Legion guys are in there chanting and making noise. So um, I thought it was a <laughs> there were the the women in sort of uh, carnival outfits dancing for no real reason so i thought overall it was a pretty good uh representative of kind of spectacle that miami can put out <laughs> you could you could safely say that it was lit in miami yesterday for for david yeah. beckham yeah <laughs> Some, something something that i thought was funny because i was it was an international broadcast and i was watching it here in spain where i was doing the reporting for magic city soccer and i was sitting here and i thought it was hilarious that at this huge event um, streamed all over the world. Somehow Belen and Columbus get shout outs on this. Like that's the believe, most I, Miami I, thing to me. 
I couldn't believe that ever. I, I either I was sitting in my seat and I was like, Did this guy really just <laughs> make that joke for people that are watching in England or whatever? This joke is for like fifty people who grew up southwest of I ninety five. Right. And um so I, I died and that was also like just so Miami. I'm like, it, bro, you're a mayor and you're forty two or whatever and you're still making jokes about your Catholic school. But anyway. <laughs> it it was nice. It was nice to have the event felt very Miami yeah. and, and that added to it. Um <laughs> it did. It was a little hometown flair. <laughs> um obviously there was a lot of excitement. Um well first there were a lot of, of speakers, the mayors spoke, um, and then uh the commissioner Don Garber. Um we thought the most excitement was going to be for David Beckham and people were pumped, but he was almost overshadowed by the guy who went up to him. And I think it's hard to overshadow David Beckham, but Jorge Mas came out like he was oh. Miami's hype man. Um, what was it like in the room? Oh yeah. And then you had all the guys doing the Jorge, Jorge, Jorge. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, this, I really did not expect that. Um, well, anyone who's listening from Miami knows that that family, you know, their dad, Jorge Mascanosa, was just like a towering figure in the city. I mean, my family's Cuban, so, you know, uh, they were always sort of like uh, these big kind of Rockefeller-esque uh, almost characters. Yeah, Miami, of course. Right? Was 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 a, a, a community giant. Um, for people who don't know, was he was a a huge leader of the Cuban exile movement. And it was a guy who yeah. was very much, well, still to this day is, is very much um, looked up to by, by Cubans. And um, he passed away in 1997, I believe. And of course, Jorge and Jose, who are the investors are his sons. Right. And so it's funny because I, you know, when I was a kid, when you were a kid, you just heard about Mascanosa all the time. And, you know, I was sitting up here in New York at the league office waiting for something, anything to happen with this project. And of course, like people said publicly on stage yesterday, it was almost dead. And then they came in and it's funny because as soon as I learned that they were part of it, I was like, okay, now I actually believe this might happen because if anyone can get anything done in Miami after <laughs> three years of poor Beckham's group learning about the craziness of local politics and everything there, I was like, all right, they can get it done. So, so now it feels a little bit more real. Yeah, uh, we definitely agree. We we talked a little bit about that uh, the other day. The importance of how when Beckham announced four years ago, he didn't really have a link to Miami, and they had this whole um, journey going through different financial partners who didn't turn out, and then it's it almost seems like we got lucky because in the end they got um, these owners who. Um, are really true uh, to to Miami, who have roots in Miami and who have the money for a club like this. And we also got lucky in that um, originally they wanted to be the owners of of the Marlins. And uh, of yes. course, they. I saw I saw a tweet. I forgot who it was from, but I think it actually was from Will Manso, who is a sports reporter. It I was, believe. Yeah. Yeah. Who said. Um, who said that because Derek Jeter bought the Marlins and pushed the Moss brothers out and they wanted to own a soccer team or they wanted to own a sports team, that this project is alive today thanks to Derek Jeter. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, 
I saw that tweet. I was going to bring it up. It's so funny. I feel like everything leads back to the Marlins. But right. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it worked out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, it worked out. Well, we'll see. There's still a lot to be settled. But we're in good hands, I think, with, with um, the Moss brothers and Beckham and, of course, the rest of his amazing ownership group. Um, one of the things that was revealed yesterday or, or well, one of the big reveals was basically that there wasn't a lot to reveal. Um, but mm-hmm. something that Beckham did promise was to build a world-class academy. And obviously, South Florida's a hotbed for youth soccer. Two of our national team members, at least two, are from here. Ale Bedoya, who is from Weston, and Josie Altador, who I think is from Palm Beach. And MLS has some exciting academy projects already going on. So I wanted to ask you, how important do you think it'll be to have one down in Miami? Yeah, no, it's super important. I mean, like you said, we had Alejandro Bedoya in Weston and Josie was in Boca. Uh, But it's super important. And one thing that I think people who maybe have not followed the league that closely will get to learn about is that we have all kinds of crazy roster rules and salary mechanisms and all kinds of things. But, uh, a very exciting part is that we have special contracts called homegrown player contracts. Mm -hmm. So that rewards teams and players who wind up signing with the academy that they played in. So that gives a specific pipeline to a first division pro team. So um, I think the academy will be huge. Like you said, and like anyone listening knows, there's a huge culture of youth soccer um, at those sort of fancy travel club levels, but also just at park levels and pickup levels. And, um, you know, the different teams run academies with uh, teams that are um, in different levels of, of seriousness. You know, they're sort of uh, academy teams that are more for fun and then the ones that are really in the pipeline. And, of course, those kids uh, who are in the serious pipeline on the pro path uh, don't pay. So it could be a huge opportunity for local talent to get noticed and get in that pro pipeline uh to a first division contract. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be huge for the area. I'm really hoping that they uh, make a specific effort to go out into communities beyond the sort of known uh, elite travel teams that are in the region. Um, And I think there's a lot of cool people out there that could be found. And I I feel pretty good about, about their ability to find new talent. Right. Uh, Something that I think, people from outside Miami don't really know about Miami is just how much soccer there is everywhere. I mean, if you go on any given night um, to parks in Kendall and in Doral and, and near downtown, I mean, it's, it's young kids playing soccer everywhere. So you have to imagine that there's going to be, there's some stars hidden in there that, that are going to be discovered by having this Academy in Miami. Yeah, and, you know, one thing that people complain about in the sort of North American soccer scene all the time is that there's no street soccer, there's no pickup culture, there's no, you know, X, Y, or Z, there's no football, but Miami has all of that. It's just that right. there, hasn't, there hasn't necessarily been that first division team with a lot of money to give kids potentially good contracts in the area. So yeah, it is an exciting possibility for people there. Right, and something that, that we're excited about, um, and this was discussed uh, earlier, I think, with, with the team's agreement with the county. Um, we don't know too much about it right now, but we do know there will be some relationship with 
Miami-Dade County public schools to reach out to schools and have programs that have to do with that too. So obviously we're excited to have that academy program and, and the, that the club taking, taking the reins and having that kind of influence in, in Miami soccer community. Yeah, I hope so. Um, something else that I wanted to touch on is Miami's soccer history and its legacy. Obviously we have a, a really long soccer history. Some of the best players in the world played here during uh, the NASL of the 1970s and then the fusion uh, during the early days of MLS and a lot of other clubs in between. Um, and some mm -hmm. had better support than others. Do you think Miamians will, will turn out for David Beckham's club? The thing is, is that um, I feel like Miami is sort of a blank slate every seven years or something because the population turns over. Right. And it's Very really transient. City. Yeah. For, for better or for worse. And so I think that can work one in a good way in that um, I look at, I was, I was writing this earlier, but I look at um, the success that Nashville had getting the city to coalesce around soccer very quickly. And although it's a completely different city with a completely different history uh, and it's much smaller, that's also a city that lately has been very young and a lot more transient than it used to be. And um, they found a lot of success in having people find an identity around like a new team. So I think there's a lesson there for the Miami club. Now, the other thing with Miami, obviously, is that because people, there are so many immigrants and there are so many people that are first generation uh, born in the area that there are a lot of uh, long time other local club allegiances from wherever they came from or their family came from. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think what I've been talking about a lot today is that if you follow sort of transfer moves within MLS, especially this, this uh, winter window, there's a big uh, shift to uh, not looking at Europe so much I'm looking instead for new young talent from Central and South America. I mean, we find so many Argentinians. Of course, especially, I, I mean, yeah, the development of Argentinian players, especially at Atlanta United, I believe, um, yeah. has, has been so yeah. exciting for people to see. Yeah, and so you see that Atlanta just killed it that first year, like going with that model, which was really against the grain compared to a lot more teams except for maybe FC Dallas. Um, and so I think, if, I think if Miami can find that mix of sort of young up-and-comers that people might notice from the academies of their, like, hometown clubs, plus a few sort of celebrities from Europe or wherever, I think that could be a mix to get enough people interested. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, like, in Miami, people will turn out for a party at the beginning, and um, there has to be sort of a lot of, like, flash <laughs> right. to get people interested. But then again, like you said, because there's so many people who just love soccer there, you also can't put a crappy product on the field. So uh, I think they're aware of that. And if they pay a lot of attention to the actual sporting side, then that will keep people coming back. Right. And fortunately, for, for those who do want to see stars play for Miami also, Beckham teased us a little bit again, saying that he's having <laughs> friends call him, saying that they want to play here. We don't know who those friends are, but... We'd love to. Um, I'm sure we'd be happy to have him. Um, he's really good. He's really good friends with Neymar's, right? So that's hey, my yeah, rumor I, mean, I like to think about. <laughs> of course. Um, you mentioned, you also mentioned um, Nashville. And I actually, I didn't want to talk about that specifically, but MLS has expanded mm -hmm. 
significantly in the last couple of years with Orlando City, New York City, Atlanta, LAFC, and now Nashville, which was just announced um, before the Miami announcement. How important is it for MLS to have this expansion team in Miami? And with so many teams now in sort of like the southeast of the United States, do you think we're going to ramp up the rivalries and the Derby days a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, so as far as how important is it to be in Miami, I think if you're trying to be an international uh, an international facing league, Miami, if you're any if you're anyone, if you're a, a performer, if you are a business owner, if you're anyone and you're trying to have a truly global sort of outlook, then Miami is just a city that you have to be in, right? Strategically, it's sort of the United States gateway from South America and the Caribbean and so many Central America and so many other places. So um, I do think Miami is a, a priority. Of course, I'm biased. So I'll just say that comes with a ton of bias. Right. Um, and uh, I am, as far as rivalries, that's obviously uh, becoming a bigger and bigger thing as like the years go on. And um, I will look forward to people talking smack about Orlando and back and forth. That's going to be ridiculous. Although they really hate Atlanta right now, those two teams. So it would be interesting adding sort of a third one in the mix there and seeing which one sort of take more importance. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see but, but, the, the, the relationship between um, – future Miami supporters, the future Legion, no? And and Orlando City, because during all this time that we haven't had um, a first division team, obviously there have been lower division teams to support, but a lot of people yeah. have become Orlando City fans in the interim. So it'll be funny to see how that evolves now with, with Miami getting its own. Yeah, it's funny because even before I worked here, you know, the first season that Orlando was in, uh, I was still working in Miami, so I went to some Orlando games because that was the closest thing. And I've always had a huge soft spot for them as sort of the only um, Floridian team in MLS, and I will always have that soft spot. Right. Well, so, I mean, I, I have to yeah. confess that yesterday, <laughs> yesterday while I was while I was live tweeting and and following the announcement, I was doing it wearing my my. Orlando City shirt, which I appreciated yeah. the, the irony of, but I mean, it's the it's the one that was there when there was nothing else. So, yeah, and I I don't know, yeah, I, I can never hate the city of Orlando or anything. So, of course, you know. I mean, any <laughs> I, I think Miamians we grow up loving Orlando, right? I mean, that's where you spend yeah. so much of your time when you're little. So it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly, and it'll make it'll make things interesting, especially. Like, uh, I think about the U.S. Open Cup and all the teams in the area and stuff. So it'll be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's gonna it's exciting times for, for soccer fans in, in Miami. And those who don't know, they're going to become soccer fans in a pretty short span <laughs> of time. Um, Ariel, thank you so much for coming on our pod. We are really glad to have someone from the league who knows Miami and who I think is – obviously as excited as the rest of us that this is finally happening um we've waited so long and and yeah it's really cool right yeah it's my no it's my pleasure to be on and and i'm i'm excited obviously and i think i don't think you're gonna have to twist a lot of people's arms to have an away day in miami so um yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so awesome well thank you so much last but certainly not least i was able to have a chat with gabriel gabor Gabe has been with MLS for an extended time now and has been part of the Miami soccer community since his time with the Miami Fusion. 
MLS has always had a presence in South Florida, even after the fusion folded. Let's go ahead and take a listen to his thoughts on the Miami MLS announcement and the team to come. So we're very fortunate to be joined now by another Magic City-based figure in the world of soccer. You can follow him on Twitter, at MLS Gabor. That's right, it's none other than Gabriel Gabor. Game has been involved with MLS for a long time, as we just discussed before we started recording. Uh, Gabe, thanks for taking the time. How was your recent trip to San Antonio? Thanks, Omar. It was, you know, it's been a crazy January. It started with uh, leagues uh, meetings in Philadelphia. Then we had the Super Draft. Then from Philly, you had to fly to L.A. We do this um, event called the Media Marketing Tour before the season gets started. Uh, And it's a really, it's an event that you don't see anywhere in the world of soccer. We bring 40 of the biggest MLS stars to one hotel. We bring 50 to 60 media members from around the world, not just the U.S., our rights holders, non-rights holders, and basically everybody gets to, every media member gets a one-on-one with each one of those athletes, just about each one, and it's a it's an unprecedented event. It really is in the world of uh, international soccer, and you know the neat thing is you're sitting in the lobby, and you know you know there goes David Villa, and there goes Almiro, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden walking by is. Uh, uh, Tito Vialva, and then you see Gio Dos Santos, and then there's Jonah, and then there's Vela. And I was just sitting there thinking, where else in the world can you sit at a hotel lobby and see these guys all in one place? So yeah, so I had that, and then came back and had about five, six days to um, put together what was an epic event here in Miami. And I feel so fortunate to be part of that. But if you think about it, it has to be one of the largest news conferences that the sport in this country has ever seen, that the city has ever seen, the the Arts Center said it was the largest media event they've ever had. We had over 300 media, 1,100 uh, fans in the house, uh, billionaires and superstars and celebrities. And uh, it was just an incredible moment here in Miami, and I'm so blessed to have been part of it. And then from there, I had to fly to San Antonio. As you know, Major League Soccer has an international division called Soccer United Marketing, and I'm very involved with that, and I'm the press officer for the Mexican National Team Tour. So I flew to San Antonio to... Uh, with my colleagues help run that game and came back last night. So crazy, crazy January, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Is it fair to say that the airline miles balance is healthy? You know, it's really, really healthy. (laughs) Guys, you know, everybody has their thing. Some people like to get into fine wines. Some people like to get into TV shows. I'm all about the miles and the hotel. (laughs) I I pretty much, my family's the one that benefits because they get to go on amazing vacations every year. And uh, I'm thankful for that. You know, uh, other, um, you know, other guys that travel a lot, uh, I don't know if they're into it as much as I am. But, yeah, I focus everything on one airline and one hotel chain. And, yeah, uh, hopefully I'm not <laughs> going to get for free rooms now because my parents do that all the time. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Our listeners just heard from someone you uh, work closely with, Ariel Castillo, about her thoughts on Monday's announcement. And while we make the rounds of Miami-linked MLS employees because we're trying to round them all up together and, and at some point get the, everybody on the show, we wanted to grab your thoughts on Monday's announcement that you just alluded to. Yeah, I'm glad you had Ariel, and I'm glad you mentioned. There are so many Miami connections at Major League Soccer. The vice president of international communications is from Kendall, Marissa Bell Munoz. Uh, she went to school here. She went to FIU like I did. A lot of FIU influence at the league, not only coaching, uh, players, and, uh, yeah, FIU should be proud of its soccer legacy and how it's extended to the professional ranks. Uh, but, yeah, Ariel is certainly a gem, and uh, she's a fantastic writer, by the way. If you get to read her stuff on MLSsoccer.com, she's terrific. 
Let's talk about my uh, about Monday, and you know, it's a little hard to separate the feelings um, from a professional achievement of putting an event together like that, and as a Miamian. So I'll, I'll try both of them. Uh, like you said, I grew up here. I, you know, I was one of those kids. I'm a little older than most people listening. I grew up as one of those kids that would go to Striker games and watch Ray Hudson play and Gerd Mueller and um, Jan Van Veteran and Kubias and all those at the over at the Lockhart Stadium. And it just, you know, it comes from the heart. I was born originally in Argentina, came here when I was 10 years old. And as soon as I got here, the first thing I was wondering is where can I watch soccer? And I'm sure a lot of people come over and, and think that. And now uh, all those folks are coming over from other parts of the world actually are going to have a team of their own, which is a wonderful thing. Um, and then I became involved with the Miami Fusion. I was their first uh, vice president of communications. And I was there three years until I, um, I went to work over at the NBA as head of communications for Latin America. Uh, but then I decided to come back to soccer. I've been with the league for about 13 years, the entire time based here in South Florida. And that's important to note. Uh, the league never abandoned, as a league, South Florida. We've had a permanent presence in South Florida, um, uh, a marketing presence for the past 13 years, um, uh, and uh, with me based here. So personally speaking, for me, it was a, it was a very touching event to actually – be there backstage, watch the confetti go off, see 1,100 uh, uh, fans of soccer come in the middle of the lunch hour to celebrate the birth of a new team and the music. And when the TIFO rolled down, I'm sure you guys saw it on um, on television, the TIFO rolled down. It was such a good feel. I felt good. You know who I also felt good for? I felt good for the guys at Southern Legion and the old Miami Ultras and um, you know guys that have been at this for a decade, Uncle Ed. Uh, Peter, Julio, you know, the guys that started all this. And I remember being on their podcast six years ago, long <laughs> David Beckham came into the picture. And I remember telling him this, and I meant it, and I still mean it, that one day we are going to be celebrating a team in Miami. And some folks might forget, but I will not forget the fact that seven, eight, years ago, these guys were banging on the drums or emailing Don Garber and talking about a team even back then. And if we ever got a team, a lot of the responsibility will go to, you know, guys like Uncle Ed, Peter Julio, and uh, Southern Region Miami Ultras for, for never giving up on their dream to have a team. So hats off to them. I felt really good for them. Those are the guys I was thinking of. And um, probably pre-event when I was walking around the lobby, when I got to see some of the guys from uh, Southern Legion, I got to see the guys that I've been, um, you know, involved with for years. Uh, it was nice to give them a hug and congratulate them. You know, it felt like uh, felt like it was their wedding day or their bar mitzvah. <laughs> you know? finally, they, they finally had their big day. So right. a very emotional day as a South Floridian. Uh, as a professional, what an incredible achievement. You know, it's uh, it's not every day that, that you get to put together an event like that as a communications professional, media from around the world. We had more than 10 international rights holders in the house, uh, an event featuring mayors and billionaires and global icons. And there are people in my profession in communications that will go their entire careers and not even get close to putting together this type of event. And uh, I think it was great when we were planning it. Our mentality was really, let's uh, plan this out as if it's a game without a game, meaning let's put together the facilities Let's prepare for it as if we're getting together the MLS All-Star game, except instead of a game, there'll be a presentation. Okay. But the mentality was very much, this is big time. And anybody that 
walked into the media workroom, and I'm sure most folks listening didn't get a chance to be backstage, but the media work area and the interview area, it looked like um, it looked like the Oscars or it looked like a Super Bowl. It was it was big. It was the same style that you would see maybe at a FIFA World Cup game. So both personally and professionally, an incredibly impressive day on Monday, and and I'm so happy now that we're past uh, when is the team going to get here, and we're moving on to all the other parts of putting a team together. I'm sad I missed it. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't be there live. The job that pays the bills forced me to go in that day, and if it pays the bills, I kind of have to do what they say. Uh, <laughs> speaking well, hopefully of, you got to watch it live, right? I did. I, I did. Yeah. I watched it on the phone. Watched it on my lunch break, and and was super impressed by the way everything went down. Um, I've been peppered with questions on other shows I've been featured on and on social media through our Magic City Soccer account about how similar the 2014 announcement and 18 announcement seem to be. Now, I can see the pessimist point of view, and I, and I wonder if you can feel the same way there for a second. Why is this different this time around? I actually think it's very different, uh, and, and let's let's talk about why. Uh, clearly, in 2014, the announcement was that David Beckham was exercising his right to buy a team and that he had picked Miami as the city to bring that team to. And that was a decision that he had to make to spend that money and he had to pick a city. That was the announcement. I would say that the local media and fans uh, somewhat hijacked the story uh, because it kind of became publicly as Beckham's bringing a team to Miami. But technically speaking, if you look back at what the commissioner said and what the press release was, the story wasn't that Miami got a team. The story was that that David was going to exercise his option on a team and has chosen Miami. Uh, there was no stadiums to speak of. There was no uh, investors selected. It was a very different proposition. And more importantly, the Board of Governors at MLS, the expansion committee, had not granted the team. Fast forward four years, and here's what we got. We got a remarkable ownership group that rivals anything we've seen at MLS with not only global icon David Beckham, Marcelo Clara, chairman of Sprint. Uh, you got the chairman of SoftBank in Japan, who's one of the wealthiest human beings in the world. Uh, <laughs> you got Marcelo Clara. Uh, we talk about Marcelo Clara. I'm sorry. You have the Mass Brothers, who run a multi-billion-dollar company here in South Florida, and that's right. really, according to what David Beckham was saying, what was missing: a, a, a South Florida owner with deep roots. Okay. So, fast forward four years now, you got a, a, a remarkable ownership group. Mm -hmm. You have a recognized stadium site that they can move forward with. And most importantly, you got the commissioner saying, welcome Miami. Here we are. We got a team. And that's what was missing. So it was, uh, it was different. It was different. And I can understand why, um, why the question, but it was different in, in many ways. All right. So if and you, you were to give... It felt, it felt different. When you were in the room, mm -hmm. it, felt, it felt different. This felt like a celebration of the birth of a team. Uh, I felt yeah. that in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely, uh, almost like a sense of closure, I feel like, with regards to the question marks in the air. And I think I was texting with some of my co-hosts uh, prior to the announcement, and I think just as soon as uh, Jorge and Jose Mas were brought onto the project, and we were sharing texts back and forth, and I think we all had the feeling of, this is done now. Like, it, it's resolved. This is going to get done. Um, because I think you infuse the ownership with, not only more funding maybe that they did or did not need, but also that local ownership tie. And these are two guys that, you know, know how to get things logistically done in this city. And this city can be a difficult city to work with uh, compared to the ones, you know, the way things work across the country. But, yeah, we absolutely believe that as soon as Jorge and Jose Moss were put on the plate, 
we knew that this was this was good. This was good to go. This is going to launch, and we'll see a finished product out of this. Absolutely. A, a couple of things that stood out to me. First of all, the commitment of Mayors uh, Jimenez and Suarez. Uh, it, it was just great to see them be so into it. Uh, uh, you could really tell that this is something that they want to happen. And with the Mass Brothers, what I noticed at the event is how many dignitaries from the city came out to the event, how many hands that were shaking. And, and another thing that blew me away is Emilio Estefan wrote a song <laughs> For the launch, like the music that you heard when the confetti went up, the music that you heard at the end when they were taking pictures, that was written by Emilio Estefan. Wow, okay. For this event, how many folks can say that, right? <laughs> and um, and the other thing that blew me away the first time I saw it is that video of all the celebrities welcoming Miami to Major League Soccer. Right. Not just not just for the team in Miami, just as a league for Major League Soccer to have all these um, A-class celebrities talking about our league. Uh, in that way and being so optimistic about bringing that team to Miami. I thought it was great. If, if anyone's listening and and you haven't seen that, just go to MLSsoccer.com and you'll be able to find a clip of all the celebrities uh, thanking, um, uh, not thanking, but welcoming the team to Miami. And there was one video that apparently came in a little after we edited that piece, and that's the Messi video welcoming, <laughs> the, welcoming the, um, the team to Miami and telling David Beckham to give him a call at some point, which I thought was great. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know what the future holds, but it was just great, and it created a lot of uh, conversation online, which is always great. We can tell you do this for a living because we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. <laughs> um if you were given the keys to the franchise, if David Beckham came, knocked on your front door, and said, Gabe, we need a team name. We ran an informal Twitter poll here uh, yesterday in the last 24 hours, and Miami, that Miami-Vice City combo seems something that the public wants to happen. Now we get it. There's a lot of things that go around it, especially with you know whether or not that name is trademarked and licensed by the production company who ran the shows and the movies, etc. What would you choose for this club name? What is something Miami, would it be something that follows along the trends of the basic names, the Uniteds, the Reals, the FCs, etc.? Or is there something that should be more Miami involved with this club or this franchise and project? You know, I, I get asked all the time before big games to predict uh, results of games. Who do you think is going to win? And I always <laughs> say the same thing that I'm going to tell you. One of the benefits of being a public relations professional is that I have a moral responsibility to stay neutral. And therefore, I get the benefit of uh, of not having to uh, guess or <laughs> or come up with names. So <laughs> I'm going to let the fans decide what the best name would be for the team, and I'm going to stay out of that conversation. Um, plus, I don't think my opinions would be so good. I always get it wrong. You know, some of the most popular teams in the league, when they first came out, I was like, really? And now they're awesome names. So <laughs> you, you you never know. I'll let the fans pick it. What's your favorite? Uh, my favorite, I have, I'm have. i partial to the Vice City. I'm partial to the Miami Vice, Vice City. I'm a huge proponent of 80s Miami culture, music, art deco, just the colors of that. I just think it resonates so much with the city, and I think that was what brought Miami to the forefront uh, to the country, that aspect. That, now, I don't want to say the lifestyle, per se, because it's not what, what I think we want to project, but at the same time, just you know, the music, the art, the just, just the essence of Miami was brought to the country in the 80s and i think that's something that's uh that would be prevalent for the club now do you want to touch color schemes can we touch colors at least if you don't want to touch the uh, team names there what, what's something it's because not that i don't want to touch it's, it's just <laughs> not up to me you know it's no i, I understand fans do it to, to, to tell you that you know I, I don't even think i've 
even you know like before the fusion came along mm-hmm. i um as a fan i don't think i even like had an opinion on the name it's not that i don't care it's just that you know i just i'm just not that guy you know that's speculating um or colors what would you like i mean i again being partial to the miami vice aspect it's just there's so many aesthetics that go with miami um and, and i think that's something that doesn't have to be said for for people who are local it's just you have the pink and the blues of, of the Miami Vice eras and the pastel colors and things like that. And then you have Miami being a formal city with a lot of major events, the black and whites that go with the tuxedos, you know. But then also you have the city of Miami flag, which happens to be orange, white, and green. So there's so many routes that this That's club could take. That's because you're a UM fan. No, well, it's the city flag, though. <laughs> More than anything else. Listen, I graduated from FIU. I happen to wear University of Miami things, but I did graduate. My degree is on the wall from FIU. But that said... Um, there's just so many options available, but you look at the success, I think, of the Miami Heat's NBA's New Jersey's with the Miami Vice-esque look with the whites, the pink, the electric blues, and you see the public response to it and how overwhelmingly positive it was. It, it just almost seems too easy, you know? My question to you is, sure. aren't you having fun, like, the speculating on the team, <laughs> the speculating on the colors? And I, I think the fans are going to have fun with that, too. You know, that's that's part of the process. I've been involved with a lot of expansion teams. I've gotten to work with a lot of them, help them out. <clears throat> and that was part of the fun, the fact that you get to unveil a name. You get to unveil colors. You get to unveil a, a crest. You get to unveil uh the you know the first uniform you get to unveil your first player and you get to unveil your first dp and think about all the incredible announcements that are going to be coming up in the next couple years it's you know it's not like you got a team and then you play there's all these milestones right that you hit along the way and and every one of them is going to be an event you know every one of these things is going to be great and you know, you, you can't help but look at what teams like Orlando have done and Atlanta United. It's, right. you know, it, and, and even though we're two years away, um, allegedly from a team and the exact name, the exact date has not been uh, announced by the league yet, even though there's talk of 2020. I strongly urge you, if you're going to take a road trip, you're going to take the kids somewhere, go to an Orlando City game, mm-hmm. uh, go to an Atlanta United game. They're both driving distance, even though Atlanta's a little far. But go, go experience that. Go to experience the new Orlando City Stadium. Go experience Mercedes-Benz. Because I think it will energize you about what Major League Soccer is in 2018. And, and I can tell you it's an exciting brand of soccer. It's fun. The fans are into it. There's as much of a show off the field as there is on the field. And, again, I just feel so blessed to have been part of it and been part of the birth of, uh, of this league and this soccer movement in this country. So last but definitely not least, Miami, but for better or worse, has been linked with the biggest stars in the game. Uh, I don't need to tell you that, you know, for as long as the MLS Miami uh, rumor or, or thought process has been around, you've heard the biggest names. We're talking links to Ronaldo, the James Rodriguez, Neymars, and now, heaven forbid, the video with Messi that came out, right? <laughs> How important would it be for the ownership group to land one of these upper echelon players uh just to essentially unify all the different communities and cultures within the city because Miami is a diverse melting pot and you have communities and cultures from just about every part of the world here and everybody's going to want ownership and to get their guy, you know, the guy that represents them, that that plays under their flag. How important is it for it to get the upper echelon guy so it unifies everybody and people don't really think about their flag as much as the team crust? You know, 
It's an interesting question. It, it's far more complex than, than what it sounds, and I'll tell you why. Uh, and I'll take you back again to Orlando and Atlanta. And I do that because those are two of the three most recent teams. Orlando built their brand around Kaká. Right. And that worked for them. They brought in this big global superstar. It gave them immediate, uh, an immediate global footprint. However, their on-field success was somewhat limited. And I'm not saying it's because of him or not. I'm just saying that that's the way they chose to build their team. Understood. On the other hand, Atlanta chose to go with young DPs, guys like Almiron and, um, and Tito Villalba. Mm -hmm. And then they brought in Tata Martino. They spend their biggest chunk of money, right? Not the biggest, but a good chunk of money on bringing in a world-class coach. Argentine coach. So the question is really for the GM of the team, the, the director of football. Which way are you going to take your team? Are you going to bring in uh, young guys uh, that are making a mark and have an upside, or are you going to bring uh, more veteran guys that will help you in the box office? Uh, that's really a decision for the team. There's two models. The, the latter model, the Atlanta model, seems to be where teams want to build from now. That seems to be the new model. Uh, however, you don't know. What we do know is that the average age of the designated player was over 32 when we started, when David Beckham came in 2007. Nowadays, the average age of the designated player is just barely uh, over 25. So we're bringing young, dynamic guys. And you posed a very interesting question. Every community is going to want their guy. So they're not going to agree on it. But the one thing they're going to agree on is that everybody's going to want to win. So you put a winning product on the field, you put on a great team, and, and everybody uh, will... Um, will want to be part of that. So it, it's a great question. Look, every league in the world would want a Messi or Ronaldo or Neymar, <laughs> That's every, fair. everybody else. But I think everybody wants to win, you know, yeah. and, and it comes down to excellent coaching and it comes down to to having the right balance and the, and the right players. You know, Major League Soccer has a salary cap. We have the designated players. We have a target allocation money. So you just can't come and build teams. You have to build it within... The, um, the guidelines or the salary cap um, that that the league has under its rules. And um, it, it, that's why it's so important, for example, for Atlanta to have a Carlos Bocanegra to bring somebody like that in who knows the league and knows um, how to put all those pieces together. So we'll see what happens. But like I said earlier, that's the fun part. Now fans get to speculate about the colors, the name, the players, the stadium. Uh, season tickets, where do you want to sit, uh, et cetera. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be fantastic. And again, I, I go back to go go check out Orlando. Orlando's a very similar situation to Miami. They built their own stadium five blocks away. Uh, it's in downtown, but it's sort of five blocks away from Church Street. They do right. a march from Church Street. They close down Church Street all the way from Church Street, uh, where, the, um, where the entertainment section is, all the way to the stadium and to the area of Paramore which has a lot of similarities to Overtown. Um, and uh, so go check out Orlando. Go see what it's like because it's very much um, a, um, a sort of look into what Miami could look like. And I'll tell you what, the, the experience of going to a game at Orlando City is fantastic. And we got a natural rival for, for Miami. Miami-Orlando, I think, is going to be one of the best rivalries in soccer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you completely. Just with the amount of Orlando City kits that you see in South Florida alone, being that it's the closest MLS team in proximity to the area, it's it's insane. And and I'm not a PR professional, but man, if Beckham's group puts out a some kind of promo where they say trade in your Orlando City kit and get a percentage off of a Miami MLS kit, I think you're going to see lines mm -hmm. deep, super deep 
uh, waiting outside team stores to pick up some of the new merchandise. Um, Gabe, thank you so, so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, tell the people where to find you. Sure. I'm on Twitter at, at MLS Gabor. That's G-A-B-O-R. And uh, I do mostly behind the scenes stuff. You know, I get, like I said, I get to travel. Not only do MLS, I do a lot of uh, international games. So uh, mostly I like to post uh, behind the scenes photos of where I'm at. So I invite you to follow me there. And I look forward to chatting with you again anytime, um, anytime that uh, you'd like to have me on. It's my honor. And I look forward to see where we go from here. It's an exciting time to be a South Florida soccer fan and an exciting time to be part of Major League Soccer. And you don't, like I said, you don't have to wait to consume MLS, go to the games in Orlando, go to Atlanta, watch on television. One of the best things you could do is get to know the league, watch on TV. Our games are on Univision, on Fox, on ESPN. So, you know, consume the league, get to know the league. And by the time uh, this team opens up and we have that glorious opening day at our new stadium, it's uh, we're all going to be better for it. Thanks again, Gabe. Appreciate it. Thank you. Omar, pleasure. We cannot thank Jack. Ariel and Gabe enough for speaking with us about the historic announcement and that it would what it would mean for Miami to have an MLS team once again. As you all know from our previous episodes, there are many details to this club that will be coming out in the near future. Interact with us on Twitter at Magic City Soccer and on Facebook and tell us what you would like to see from this MLS Miami. Whether it's team name or colors or crest, it may seem like 2020 is far away, but it will be here before you know it as we already know. We will have more MLS Miami shows to come soon, and as always, we'll keep you up to date on all soccer news in the pyramid over at magiccity.soccer. That is all we have for now, so thanks again for joining us, and make sure to follow all of our guests on Twitter. Have a great day, and go Miami Soccer!